When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Now, since the beginning, Christians have gathered together, expecting God to keep the promise that we will know the Spirit's presence and power. So, next week in Dortmund, Germany, for example, Janet and I will be joining up to 100,000 people who will take over the city of Dortmund for a Kirchentag, church day. Actually, five days. And they do this every couple of years because it's great to be all together in one place. And as I told you last Sunday, last week I was in Waterloo for the 145th General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church in Canada. More about that later. <coughs> Excuse me. In our story from Acts chapter 2, about 120 women and men gather on the day of Pentecost waiting. They're not sure exactly what will happen. All they know is that Jesus told them to wait. To wait until they're clothed with power from on high. The paraclete, the advocate, the supporter, the comforter. The one Jesus told his first disciples would come, will come. Well, why Pentecost? Well, it's 50 days after Passover. Seven weeks or so after Jesus came back from the dead. It's a Jewish festival. It's very important. It's not as big as Passover. Our Jewish neighbors call it Shavuot. It came from a harvest festival. And what it became over the years was a time to remember the day when God gave the law to Moses. It's like commemorating the day the constitution of the nation was proclaimed. And Christians often say that something new was constituted at Pentecost. And so we often say today is the church's birthday. I'll tell you now, we won't have cake, but it is, uh, to many people, considered the church's birthday. And as they gather together in one place, the streets are filled with people who have come from all over the empire to celebrate. There's a party atmosphere all around. So the storyteller in Acts is inviting us to think about, well, Jurassic Park last night, or, you know, for example. Um, the audience is gathered. The spirit comes in wind and fire, inspiring, breathing into everyone in the congregation and overflowing into the streets and squares of the city. So it's a miracle of speaking, and it's a miracle of, of hearing. Sometimes we try to figure that out, but it doesn't matter. This matters. At 9 o'clock in the morning, there are about 120 sober, baptized disciples of Jesus. By the end of that one day, 3,120 baptized disciples. It makes sense. The church and its mission in the world should start with a bang. And read the whole book of Acts, and we'll see more explosions of the Holy Spirit, none as big as that day of Pentecost, but all significant breakthroughs and big steps forward. But the book of Acts is far removed from our reality in the church in our part of the world today. The church is growing like wildfire 
in the global south, even where there is persecution. And Pentecostal zeal drives that growth. What about us? Has the Spirit of God deserted us? And what do we in the Presbyterian Church in Canada believe about the Holy Spirit? Well, if you measured it by the amount of time we spend talking about the Holy Spirit, you conclude that we don't believe very much about the Holy Spirit. In the 60s, Presbyterian theologian Joe McClelland wrote a, a famous article about the Holy Spirit, and the title was The Anonymous Member of the Trinity. Now, we say the Holy Spirit dwells in each one of us, and that baptism is the sign and seal of that. But that's pretty vague. We say the Holy Spirit helps us understand the Bible, understand, maybe, agree, <laughs> not so much. Mostly we say the Holy Spirit works in and through the church, and we believe the Holy Spirit is at work when we gather to make decisions, like in General Assembly last week. We take Acts chapter 2 as a foundation. We meet for a purpose to discern God's will together. So does the Holy Spirit only work in and for the church and in the hearts of church members and in the Bible and, and at our meetings? Or can we discern the Spirit's activity in the world around us? Do changes in society, movements, adaptations, new things all around us threaten us? Or can we seek and find the Spirit's work and God's call to us outside the church, outside the Bible, outside our meeting rooms and sanctuaries? Jesus says the wind, using a word that means the wind, God's breath, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus says the wind blows wherever she will. We can only see the wind when something moves. It's like in Christina Rossetti's poem, who has seen the wind? Neither you nor I, but when the trees bow down their heads, we know she passes by. And she, by the way, is actually a good way to translate the biblical words that name and describe the Holy Spirit. The theme for last week's 145th General Assembly was receive the Holy Spirit, appropriate given the time in the church years. And I know last Sunday I told you that I planned to keep my mouth shut. Uh, I was a table group leader, and I, I was at table number one, which, which they told me was way off to the side, and I thought, good, good. Turns out it was right up at the front, right in front of the moderator, and my chair was right beside a microphone. Oh, the temptation. And I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit or my own vanity that got me up on my feet, but I got a lot of exposure on the live feed. And when the camera pointed at microphone one, no matter who was speaking, it pointed at me too. Now, I believe that the Holy Spirit was present and busy. And there were moments when I really experienced being part of something that I described last Sunday as more than the sum of its parts. But there was a group, I'll call it a party, but not in the good sense, 
and they came for a fight. And when you come looking for a battle, you'll, you'll find one. But the trouble was when the issue that they really wanted to fight about came to the floor, a process of discernment was introduced. No debate until after the prayerful process was completed. And for the umpteenth time, this round beginning in 2015, but really beginning in 1994, the place of LGBTQI plus persons in the church was before assembly, specifically concerning ordination as elders and ministers and marriage. And this assembly was supposed to be about finding a way forward together. And we were offered four pathways and there was time for us to speak in favor of our choices. Pathway A was no change, no ordinations, no marriages in the church for LGBTQI people. Pathway B was big change, inclusion, with provision for those who continued to disagree. Pathways C and D offered ways possibly to accommodate everyone's beliefs. Pathway C, in my opinion, would have been the, the sound of the death knell of the Presbyterian Church in Canada because it would have torn it into three different, they called them streams, but it was really three different churches. But it would allow everyone to believe what they already believed and not really have to be in dialogue with the others. And the Presbyterian Church in Canada would have been probably reduced to its pension board. Pathway D offered space for people who believe, as I've told you, I do. I know many of you do, with no actual change. So there would have been accommodation, at least for a while. So are you still with me after all of that? My heart was in pathway B, inclusion. But for the sake of the church, I believed pathway D was the best we could do, at least for now. And after prayer and silence, we voted. And when I put my ballot in the box, the words just came to me and I prayed them. Lord, I can live and do my best to move forward, whatever the outcome. And to everyone's shock, everyone's shock, pathway B was the choice. It still had to be debated, and we had to vote again. And it was still the choice of the majority. Three times it was made clear that pathway B was the majority's choice. But that party I mentioned, they believed A was right, but they decided to support pathway C because it offered them two things, a chance to seem reasonable and accommodating, and it gave them what they wanted, their own church within the church, while keeping all of the benefits that go with being Presbyterians. But even with 60% support for pathway B and inclusion, they insisted on changing the choice of pathway C to pathway C, and tried every tactic available to get their way down to the last minutes of the assembly. Now, of course, this is my version, but if you watch the videos, you'll 
maybe see where I'm coming from. Now, last Sunday, somebody asked me not to go in with my mind already made up, and believe it or not, I didn't. I believe that many of us were open to the Spirit's leading, especially the elders, because it was the elders, as it has been every year, that has moved the church closer and closer to inclusion. And so we ended up with a compromise. And I'll admit it sounded good Thursday morning. Now I don't think so. The proposal is that we recognize that within the Presbyterian Church in Canada, there are two definitions of marriage. One says a man and a woman. The other says two persons. So pick one. And whichever one you pick, you're saying what the Presbyterian Church in Canada believes. The proposal allows for same-sex marriages and the ordination of LGBTQI persons, but ministers, sessions, and presbyteries can choose to opt out and to use the minority's own word, discriminate. This all has to come down to presbyteries to be voted on. It's called the Barrier Act. When there's a change in the law of the church, it has to go through this process. Then it goes back to next year's General Assembly. After we adjourned on Thursday, Thursday noon, I walked to pick up my lunch and I met two good friends. Now they weren't commissioners. They'd come to give a very important report, but they were never invited to speak to this issue. And they had just been told again that they are only welcome in some parts of their church. And that was General Assembly 145. And it brought into the light that so many of us believe the Holy Spirit is present, at work, calling to us in the church and outside the church, as we read the Bible and as we read our times, when we're all together in one place and when we're scattered. But there are also those who believe the Spirit only works and speaks inside, inside the church, inside the Bible, inside the congregation of like-minded people. This was my seventh General Assembly, going back to 1978. It should be my last. I did my best to do my part. And we did some other work last week, some of it very important but I'll tell you about that when there's more time. 